Well, thank you, King's Kids and King's Tots. And Evan played one of my favorites this morning, so thank you very much. I appreciate it. Appreciate your work. Well, good morning, Bellevue Baptist Church. Sounds like a turkey hangover. <laughs> good morning, Bellevue Baptist Church. Good there you go. There you go. We welcome you, and we welcome those of you who are joining us online, and thank you for being here. What a wonderful Thanksgiving celebration we had last night. Amen. It was a wonderful, wonderful time. I understand you hadn't been able to do it for two years, and it was uh, just great. A great big, big thank you to all of you. Man, what a lot of work that took to pull off. You pulled it off with superb. It was great. And you should have seen these people cleaning up in here. It was like an old machine. Everybody, everybody jumped in and got this place cleaned up, and, and we got home by 8 o'clock. And so thank you very much for all that you did so that we could sit down and enjoy one another that we haven't been able to do in two years. So thank you very much. Amen. Well, today is the last message in the series value family values. And I'm doing this because we're getting together for the first time as families. We were not allowed to do that last year. And maybe this will help us to appreciate what goes on in the family and what that family is for. Now next Sunday begins uh, Advent and we will begin the Advent celebration next Sunday leading up to Christmas. My text today, I've taken several texts out of, uh, from the Bible on family, so just look at the screen and follow along. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Listen, my son, to your father's instructions, and do not forsake your, father's, your mother's teaching. They are a garland to grace your head and a chain to adorn your neck. All you kids, listen up. Children. Obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with promise. Joshua 24. But if you refuse to serve the Lord, then choose today whom you will serve. Would you prefer the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates? Or will it be the gods of the Amorites in whose land you now live? This is what Joshua said. But as for me and my family... We will serve the Lord. Your wife will be like a fruitful vine within your house. Your children will be like olive shoots around your table. Yes, this will be a blessing for the man who fears the Lord. But from everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is with those who fear Him and His righteousness with children's children, with those who keep His commandments and remember to obey His precepts. Children are a gift from the Lord. They are a reward from Him. Children born to a young man are like arrows in a warrior's hand. How joyful is the man whose quiver is full of them. He will not be put to shame when he confronts his ancestors at the city gates. And that's the word of God for the people of God. Let pray with me. Now, Father, I pray that you would pour through me the gift of preaching today. I pray that you would take these human words and use them to speak to us today. 
give each of us just the message that we need to hear today. That's why we are here. We wait for it. And we pray to you in the name of Jesus and all God's people said, Amen. Douglas MacArthur II, uh, whose uncle was the famous World War II general, worked for the State Department when John Foster Dulles was the Secretary of State. Secretary Dulles called MacArthur's home one day and got his wife on the phone, and he asked for Mr. MacArthur. Well, Mrs. MacArthur did not recognize uh, Mr. Dulles's voice, and she said, Mr. MacArthur is not home. He is where he always is, weekdays, weekday nights, Sundays and Sundays, at the office. Within a few minutes, Douglas MacArthur II got a call from Secretary Dulles, and he said, son, you need to leave now. Your home front is crumbling. And the reason I share that is because, and the reason I've shared this series, is because the home front is crumbling. Now, I haven't preached this series to lay a lot of guilt on, on us, but because the home front is crumbling. There are some who see the correlation between the breakup of our traditional family and the degeneration of what's going on in our society. And it seems that a lot of parents, because of their absence from the home or they have abdicated their role, are failing to provide the value formation that their children need. So today I want to consider the importance of the home front. And let me begin with this. Realize the home's power in shaping values. Realize the home's power in shaping values. Now, we have decided too quickly that the schools and the school board and television and the internet and, and the social media and even legislation are too powerful for us to overcome. But parents, I am arguing today that we need to take back the role, our role, and see how powerful the home is in shaping values. Parents, we should have more influence than anyone over the kind of people that our children become. Amen? Scripture is very clear about this. The task of value training, value formation, belongs to us parents and grandparents. I would like for you to read sometime the first three chapters of the book of Proverbs. In that book of Proverbs, it says exactly what they are. Verse 3 says exactly what the Proverbs are for. Their purpose is to teach people wisdom and discipline, to help them understand the insights and wisdom. And then the purpose is to teach people to live disciplined and successful lives, to help them to do what is right and fair. These Proverbs will give insight to the simple, knowledge and discernment to the young. My child, listen when your father corrects you. Don't neglect your mother's instruction. Mothers and fathers, we are to pass on to our children the wisdom of God so that they can live a right life, a just life, 
and an effective life. You read these first three chapters of Proverbs, and it's amazing what this father talks to his son about. He talks to him about money. He talks to him about the right kind of wife that he should choose. He talks to him about sexual desires. He talks to him about ambition. He talks to him about spirituality and a whole host of values that he sh we should pass on to our children. You remember Vernon Waters. At one time, Vernon Waters was the United States delegate to the United Nations. And somewhere in his service there, at an event, Walters had a conversation with a colonel who was in the Soviet army. And the colonel asked, he said, Mr. Waters, if there was a nuclear war, what would you do? And he said, Colonel, I would say, our Father who art in heaven. And then to Walters' surprise, that Soviet colonel continued the Lord's Prayer. Now you remember the Soviet Union was an atheist country. And Walters was startled. And he said, Colonel, how do you know the Lord's Prayer? And the colonel looked at Walters surprised and he said, Mr. Walters, everybody in Russia knows the Lord's Prayer. Well, how? How do you know the Lord's Prayer? From Mama. From Mama. Biblical Christian values are created at home. So we need to realize the home's power in shaping family values. That's what it is for. Now our home needs to be three things if we're going to shape values. It needs to be three things. First of all, it needs to be a filling station. A filling station. Now you might not think of your home as a filling station. You might think of your home as a hotel where disconnected people come there to sleep every night. Or you might think it's a home, it's just bed and breakfast. They come to sleep, they get up, they eat their Cheerios, and they're off. Same thing next day. Come home, eat Cheerios, and they're off. Cheerios, and they're off. Or you may think of your home as a bank. People show up for money. I want to suggest that our homes need to be filling stations. Now, some of you kids will not have any idea what I'm talking about. Remember the old filling stations? Remember they were called what? Full service stations. You pulled in, they, they put the gas in your tank, they cleaned your windshield, they checked under the hood, they checked the tires. And those people, I don't know about here, but those people at home, they built up a faithful clientele who went to the same service station every week because those guys waited on them. Now, folks, that'll preach. That'll preach. It is important for us to have a place that we can come to and be checked out and get our tanks filled. Our homes need to be filling stations. I, I don't have to tell you how draining this world is. We get up tomorrow morning and we will race off to the workplace. We call it a jungle and it's dog eat dog sometimes, and building up and encouragement doesn't take place there. You have to claw your way if you want to get to the top. And kids are going to school. Some kids go through metal detectors, 
And thank God we have officers at each school to protect those kids now. And a majority of kids are afraid to even use the bathroom at school because of the crime that's there. We are living in a tough world. And every night, people drag home and their tank is empty. And the Bible says that the fuel that we run on is love, is love. Now, it would be idea if every person in the family was a combination of that attendant and a customer. Now, husbands, our preeminent job is to fill our wives' love tank. And wives, one of your preeminent jobs is to fill your husband's love tank. And I'm not talking about sex here. If the love tank stays empty, then people will go someplace else to get it filled or with somebody else. So we mothers and fathers and grandparents, we have to fill up the love tank of our children. And you children, you have a responsibility to respect your mother and your father, and that fills up their love tank. Now, that's how it ought to be. That's how it ought to be. Now, if you have small children at home, teenage children at home, if you don't fill up their love tank, it's not going to get full. And parents, this is where we have to do the most giving. Because our our kids don't know that their gauge, they can't judge their gauges. They don't know that their tank is almost empty. And sometimes they don't even give out clues that their tank is empty. So it is our task to run a filling station and fill those love tanks with love. Let me give you you three practical ways to do it. A look. Look at those kids. Give them eye contact. And I'm I'm not talking as an expert here. I'm talking as a struggler, as I've told you all during this series. A word. A word. Kids should never be sent out of the house, never should be sent to school without hearing how much they they are loved. And a touch. Now, I know middle school boys aren't, you're not allowed to touch a middle school boy. But a pat on the back, you'll never kiss a middle school boy on the cheek. That just doesn't happen. Or a big hug. I drove up in front of the high school, Boone High School, one time taking my daughter. And, and there were the kids on the steps. And I bent over to kiss her and she said, don't you dare. <laughs> so kids need affection. And if they don't get it, here's what's going to happen. They are going to settle for their first cousin, which is attention. And kids will do some weird stuff, even some bad stuff, to get attention, won't they? So if we want to develop a conscience in our children, we have to develop an environment where they know that there is somebody there that is committed to an emotional investment in them as a nurturer. See, kids don't learn values when their love tank is empty. So our homes need to be a filling station where we continue to fill their little tanks and fill our spouse's tanks with love. That's the only way kids are going to be people of character. Number two, our homes need to be an emergency room, an emergency room. Kids need a trauma center for non-medical emergencies. They need a trauma center for emotional emergencies. 
because everybody gets wounded, don't they? You get called a name. You're the butt of a cruel joke. You experience some sort of racism or sexism. Somebody makes fun of you or makes fun of how you look. Everybody gets wounded. So where do we go for treatment? To the emergency room. We go home to the emergency room. Now, what do we expect of an emergency room? When you go to the emergency room for a crisis, what do you expect? Competent help. You expect the people in that emergency room to know what they are doing. You have a right to expect that because that's what they're there for. And you know, sometimes it just scares us parents to death and grandparents to death because we think we don't know if we're ever going to get this right. We don't know if what we're doing is right. But parents, there's no excuse nowadays. There's no excuse. When Joyce and I had our kids, all we had was Dr. Spock. Woo! And I figured out the best way to treat Dr. Spock was use the book as a paddle. That was the best, that was the best way. In your profession where you work, if you don't keep learning, then you're not going to maybe keep that job or do that job well. So parents, we have to keep constantly learning. And man, there is so much good material out there today. Books and videos and seminars and online stuff that can keep us abreast and help us. When I go to the emergency room, I expect competent help don't you? The second thing that I expect in an emergency room is it's always open. It is available. It's available. Now, do our children know, our grandchildren know that we are always available? An emergency room is always open. It's always available. And one of the things that we hear a lot in counseling for people who are working through issues with their parents is they weren't available. Mm. You remember who Gary Bauer was? Gary Bauer wrote a good little book called Our Journey Home. In that book, he tells the story of an ill-fated fishing trip to Alaska. Three guys and one of the guys' little 12-year-old son, they took off to Alaska and they flew out to fish in one of those planes it takes and lands off water. They went to this secluded lagoon and they were having a wonderful day fishing. And then when they got back to the coast, when they got back to the ocean coast, they found that the plane had been beached on the sand because the tide had gone down. Well, they had no choice but to stay that night. Well, the next day when the tide came up and uh, they flew off, and they weren't very far into the flight when the plane started going down. What had happened? One of those pontoons had sprung a leak, and when the tide came in, it had filled that pontoon with water and made that plane too heavy to fly. They had to crash that plane into the water, and it was, it was really far from the shore. Well, they didn't have but a few minutes to get out of the plane, so they held hands and they said a prayer and jumped out in the water and the plane went down. Two of the men were very strong swimmers and they made it to the shore. 
Now the third man, whose little boy, was with him. The little kid could not swim, and his father could not get him to the shore. And so the only way he decided, stayed with his boy, put his arms around him, and eventually they both went down and drowned. Gary Bauer, who was the undersecretary of education in the Reagan administration, spoke to a lot of graduations, and he would tell this story. And then he would say to the parents, how many of you parents here would die for your kids? And those kids would turn around and see their parents with their hands up. And it was the first time that some of those kids realized how much their parents cared for them and love for them. And he said, you should have seen the look on their faces when they looked at their parents for the first time realizing how much they meant to their parents. See, folks, value training. Value training cannot be scheduled. You cannot say, well, son, I've got from 3.30 to Saturday, 3 o'clock to 3.30 on Saturday, and I'm going to teach you honesty. That does not work. The most important values we pass on to our children are taught in the emergency room and in the filling station. Our homes need to be filling stations where we continually fill each other's tank with love. They need to be an emergency room for those emotional emergencies of life. And then they need to be year-round schools. We said last Sunday that the home is to be a school and the parents are the faculty and everywhere is a schoolroom. Look at Deuteronomy 6. And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I am giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you're at home and when you're on the road and when you're going to bed and when you are getting up. So school is always in session. It is always open. And of course, you know that. Parents, we, we lecture more with our lives than we do our lips. Now parents, see if I'm not right here. See if I'm not right here. We parents and grandparents, we tend to be most enthusiastic in the areas where we are competent, right? And we pass on to our kids these places and these areas where we are most competent. But a lot of times we don't feel comfortable as spiritual trainers, and so we're willing to let somebody else have that job and believe who we believe are more adequate. And that leaves a great impression on our kids, doesn't it? Mark Twain was in Europe and he had his daughter with him. And Mark Twain was being entertained by kings and queens and prime ministers and potentates and artists and scientists and all, all people who were important. And she said to him, Mark Twain's daughter said to him, Daddy, you know everybody but God. Now think about it, parents. We are willing to get involved in soccer and basketball and baseball and football and PTA and whatever. 
But when it comes to spiritual issues, we are too often willing to send our kids to somebody else. And John preached my sermon in Sunday school this morning. So we talked about this in Sunday school. But maybe God gave the job of value training parents, not just for the children, but for us parents and grandparents as well. See, God is trying to do a work in our life by giving us the responsibility of creating family values. People of character just don't happen by accident. Proverbs 2. My son, if you accept my words and store up my commands within you, listening closely to wisdom and directing your heart to understanding, furthermore, furthermore, if you call out to insight and lift up your voice to understanding, if you seek it, it is like silver and search for it like hidden treasure. Then you will understand the fear of the Lord and discover the knowledge of God. Dad, he is saying, that dad is saying, son, if you listen to me and diligently follow my teaching, my training, you will know the knowledge of God and you will be a person of character. All right, let's do a little review so you can come back to me. All right, are you with me? Our homes ought to be filling stations. We come home with empty tanks, and it is our job as spouses, it's our job as parents to fill that love tank. Our homes should be emergency rooms for the emotional emergencies that we come home with that empty tank. And when you go to the emergency room, you expect competent people to be there. Our homes should be competent places where we teach Christian values at home. On the road, when you're getting up, when you're going to bed. Now let me close with this. Christian values aren't free. They are not free. Christian values don't come by accident. They don't just happen. Somebody has to pay the price because those values aren't free. Big biblical values come because somebody paid the price in running that filling station, in working in that emergency room, and teaching in that year-round school. So parents, if we want our kids to grow in values, we have to be the one who make the sacrifice. Let me give us a couple of ways. Pay the price in your own life. If you want the kids to have values, pay the price in your own life. We cannot expect our kids to have biblical Christian values if we ignore them in our own life. Does that make sense? We parents, we grandparents have to pay the price in our own life if we want our children to catch our values. Number two, trust God for a sure return. Whoa. Trust God for a sure return. Build your home God's way. And you know, there are times in this business of parenting, whew, 
There are times when you lay awake and look at the ceiling at night and you think, are they going to turn out right? Am I doing right? And here is where we need to trust God for a sure value. Ignore the values of our society. Pursue biblical Christian values. And then believe God for a sure return. Do you remember when First Lady Barbara Bush was asked to speak at Wellesley College graduation, the 1990 graduation. Now, some of the feminist graduates of that class resented Mrs. Bush being their graduation speaker. And those feminist graduates argued that we have been trained to be CEOs and doctors and lawyers and movers and shakers in the business world, and we are going to be addressed by a woman who has been nothing but a mother and whose success is in the man that she married. Well, it caused a big hurrah and the papers loved it. Eventually, they allowed Mrs. Bush to come. Let me read you part of her address. A lot of news outlets said it was the best graduation speech ever. This is part of what she said. And remember, this is a whole, this is just girls, this is just ladies. Cherish your human connections, your relationship with family and friends. As important as your obligation as a doctor, a lawyer, or a business leader will be, you are a human being first, and those human connections with your spouse, with your children, and with your friends are the most important investment you will ever make. At the end of your life, you will never regret not having passed one more test, not winning one more verdict, and not closing one more deal. You will regret time not spent with a husband, a child, a parent, and a friend. Whatever the times are, one thing will never change. If you have children, they must come first. You must read to your children, hug your children. You must love your children. Your success as a family, our success as a society, depends not on what happens in the White House, but on what happens inside your house. Mm. Our success as a society depends not on what happens at the White House, but what happens inside your house. Amen. Let's pray. Father, please help us to build homes that honor you. Father, I pray for our homes. I pray that we may provide quality, nurture, and value training for our children and our grandchildren. And Father, I pray that you would energize single parents. They have such a difficult job to do. And Father, I pray that you will need to convict us dads to examine our lives and find out if we're really paying the price that we need to pray. And convict us that values don't just happen by accident. So cause us to be more intentional in what we're doing in our homes. 
And may this be one way the world will notice the church by seeing we are turning out the kind of people they so desperately wish they were and knew. We pray this in the name of Jesus and all God's people said, Amen. Today we're going to give you an opportunity to accept Jesus Christ into your life as your Lord and Savior and accept what he did on Calvary for you. And when you believe in Jesus and you accept him as your Savior, repent of your sins, confess him and all of the past sins, all the present sins, all the future sins are gone and you're covered in the righteousness of Jesus. And one day you'll stand before him covered in the righteousness of Jesus and hear him say, welcome home. Well done. And into the joy these past few weeks as we've seen several make that decision and become new creatures in Christ Jesus. And you can make the same decision. We're also going to invite you to become a member of our church. We would love to have you. And you need to be in a church home where you can be loved and you can be cared for. And you, we can encourage one another. And if you need to obey him in baptism, we'll be able to help you to do that. If you would like someone else to pray for you, and if you're ashamed to come down front, a little embarrassed to come front, come down after it's over, and some of us will be around here, and we'll be glad to pray with you. I'll be down front. I'll help you make any one of those decisions that you want to make. Let's stand and sing.